Pastor Josh, come on down. Man, you get like all these like, yeah. Man, remember that next week. <laughs> all right. So why don't we just uh, extend our hands. We're going to pray uh, with Pastor Josh and over the word before we get into the word uh, this week. I'm very interested in this one. Uh, it's not always good to be nice. See where we're going with this. We'll see if we have to have a pastoral talk after this or not. That's a joke. This is going to be good. Yeah. All right, Lord, we come before you and we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that your word became flesh, right? The living word, our salvation, our savior. Lord, I just pray for our hearts to just be open to receive this word, minds to be open, spirits to be open, Lord God. Lord, we just pray a release in Josh, Lord, that everything you've given him, that he would just be obedient to what you have given him by the Spirit of God. In your name we pray, amen? Amen. Thanks, man. All right. Disclaimer. I'm usually all about the tools, but today I'm all about the questions. This sermon's going to leave you with more questions than answers, but I think that's actually a good thing, because I'm going to encourage you to, once we examine some of these thoughts that I have about this topic, I'm going to encourage you to get with the Lord on it, because he's got to tell you. He's got to tell you more than what I can tell you. But um, before I get into that, um, I did want to share something that's completely unrelated to my sermon, and that is this. <clears throat> One person can change the atmosphere of an entire building. And you might be that person. So if you, if you feel like you have a word from the Lord, I'm not even saying right now, you can come up and interrupt me if you want to, but if you feel like you have a word from the Lord or you feel like there's a prayer, right? Dave's very famous for saying that there's that psalm that says, come, everybody come with a song, Every come, come with a word, Every, everybody come, right? So we're not... <clears throat> Even though, you, you know, you guys are sitting facing me and I'm sitting facing you, this is not like you're an audience and I'm a, you know, philosopher king or some kind of thing like that. We are a body of Christ and we all have a piece to give. And I'll, I just want to actually say that when um, Caitlin came up, I'm not saying that there was anything bad going on, but I just felt a distinct shift in the atmosphere because she shared something from her heart that the Lord had, you know, that she... She paid a lot, right? You paid a lot to get that revelation. And so the fact that you came up and uh, you may have been a little uncomfortable, you didn't seem uncomfortable, but you might feel uncomfortable when you're doing something like that. The fact that you came up and you did that, you shifted the atmosphere. So thank you. Everybody give Caitlin a round of applause because that was good. Um, so that was for free. That had nothing to do with this message. Maybe it did. We'll see how the Lord uses it, but... Was a nice, what's that? And nice and good. What the heck am I doing? It's not always good to be nice. This is like, this is something you have to really think about. This is something that I've been thinking about for a couple months now. Uh, Dave and I have even talked, just even in our, in our time together, I've talked back and forth with him about this idea to some degree. 
Um, I did not bounce anything that's in this sermon off of him, so very legitimately, if you have emails, send it to Dave, not to me. And then he'll re- reprimand me um, later. <laughs> so it's not always good to be nice, but at times it is, it, it's, 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 it's very nice to be good. Um, so I wanted to start out with this. Like, I view myself, I've always viewed myself as a nice person, a nice guy. Um, and I want to be nice, and I wanted to exude niceness. And actually, that started pretty early in my life. Um, I was just talking to my mom about this, and uh, probably about the, between the ages of 5 and 10, I discovered that if you go to the grocery store and you find an, like an older woman that's by herself, you can ask her to help with her groceries, and she will be like so thankful, right? And it's so cute because I'm five, I'm five to ten years old. Oh, he's so nice. What a, you know, go to, go to mom and say, oh, he's so nice. He's so sweet. He's so kind, right? And I, I uh, learned early on that it's seemingly if you're nice, people will like you. And everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be, feel accepted, right? And so that was kind of where I got some of my self-esteem from, essentially, um, so it's, it's good to be nice. In our culture, we're often praised for being nice. We actually view niceness as a virtue. Um, and it, it's, it's true that being nice as opposed to being mean is desirable. Like, it's socially acceptable to be nice. If you're a mean person, nobody really wants to be around you. And honestly, if you're nice, nine times out of ten, it will be reciprocated back to you if you're kind and you're sweet. There's the rare occasion with different type of people that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work and you can't manipulate them to like you. And that's just the way it is. So your niceness kind of just, they'll roll, roll right over you on it. But it's also good, it's also right. Okay, so I'm not saying it's good to be good, I'm saying it's right to be good. But then if we're going to ask what, you know, if we're going to talk about goodness, then we need to know, well, what is goodness, right? How is goodness defined? Um, ultimately, actually, as believers, God is the final standard of good. It actually, the scripture says that no one is good alone but God. And actually, that's Jesus saying that in Luke 8, 18, 19. You know, and frequently in the Psalms, we're told that the Lord is good, so... So there's something here, right? There's something, there's something here with this idea of, like, I was trained that if I'm nice, people will like me, right? But then kind of this idea is, like, well, is God calling us to be nice, or is God calling us to be good? Like, what exactly is going on here? And this is something that's been ruminating inside of me. And so basically, I'm inviting you into my thought process I, I fully intend to still have questions to be asking the Lord after all this. I fully intend that this is going to be one of those sermons, hopefully, that you'll think about, you'll meditate on, and the Lord will actually tell you, <clears throat> um, not, just exact, not just specifically, but in different areas of your life, are you nice or are you good? And where does that, where does that line kind of stop? Um, so essentially, we want to be like God. God's perfectly good. He cannot be bad. He's morally perfect in all of his attributes. 
And so when thinking about these things, you really have to define your terms, they call it. And so that brings us to what is nice or what is niceness? First of all, ni uh, niceness could be characterized as pleasant or pleasing or agreeable in nature or appearance, exhibiting courtesy and politeness, socially or conventionally correct, refined or virtuous, a courteous manner that represents, that respects accepted social usage. <clears throat> I say this, I want the word nice and good to lose all meaning to you today. I'm going to say it so many times that you'll, you'll actually, you'll be like, I'm not sure if I know what that word means anymore. I'm not sure if I know what niceness means anymore. But I think in doing that, it can help you reorient to what God's actually saying, right? We use the word good so often, it's like, well, how was that sermon? It was good. Or how was that, how was your drive from Phoenixville to Dave, Dave? It was good. Yeah, there was traffic, you know, it was good, right? You know, um, so we need to almost lose our own idea of what these words are so that God can insert what he's actually trying to say here. And so, you know, as we're moving on here, I'd like, I'd say this, like, I'm a bit of a, um, I'm like personality guy, temperament sorter guy, really like, like Myers-Briggs, really like something called the big, big five personality traits by a guy named Jordan Peterson. And uh, Peterson says this, like, there's a, there's a um, temperament called agreeableness. And as, if, if you go back to niceness, you can see one of the first things that they say is agreeableness is, is the same as niceness. So what I'm, so this is my thought process, okay? <clears throat> niceness could be characterized as agreeableness. And if you do that, there's a whole ton of research on what agreeableness actually is, right? And, and a, lot of that is, a lot of that is up there right now. Um, so agreeableness, agreeableness could be, uh, agreeableness can be, broken down basically into two categories. One would be compassion and one would be politeness. So compassion would be essentially the humane quality of understanding the suffering of others and wanting to do something about it. So in other words, you see someone's hurting and you actually care. Like, that's not a bad thing, right? That's, that's actually a, a, a quite a noble thing. I would say that's even a good thing, that when you see suffering, you care about it. <clears throat> um, so going further into compassion, uh, people that are agreeable tend to feel others' emotions. They tend to inquire about others' well-being, and they tend to actually care, and they actually tend to sympathize with other feelings, right? So that's... That's nice and good, I would say, right? Although we don't know that yet because we haven't jumped to the definition of good yet. But in my thought process, that seems pretty good, right? Like that seems consistent with the character of God to some degree. Um, and then so then the other aspect of agreeableness or niceness would be politeness, which is mean I respect authority, I'm compliant, I do what I'm told, um, I don't like to seem pushy, I don't want to exert my will upon Upon other people um, again and some of those I think some of those could be neutral and some of those could be 
good. Some of those could be bad. It, de it depends. Um, and so as you're thinking about that, you were thinking about that niceness could be characterized as agreeableness. And agreeableness is broken down um, from a personality temperament is that there's a compassion and politeness, right? So, so far, so, so good. It seems, like, it seems like nice is good right now, right? Nice is good. Nothing wrong with those kind of things here. Um, so moving on, as we're defining our terms here, good, goodness. What is, what is a, a basic definition of goodness? And this is, this is not a biblical definition of goodness. This is like a societal definition of goodness. And so basically goodness is that which is pleasing or viable or useful. Uh, you could also say moral excellence or admirable. Okay, so we're defining our terms here so we can think about this because the, the idea is it's not always good to be nice, right? So as I'm thinking through this, as I'm inviting you guys to think through this with me, it's not always good to be nice. So, but it is, at t it, for the most part, it's nice to be good, right? So there's... There is the, uh, there's the aspect of niceness. Niceness is agreeableness, really. So that's, the, that's my premise. Like, if niceness is, could be characterized as agreeableness, then agreeableness uh, has to do with compassion and politeness. And so as we're thinking about that, that's, our, that's the working definition that we have for this concept. And then, where am I here? So then... <clears throat> So then we have to jump from niceness and agreeableness. And then we did a working definition of like society or secular idea of what goodness is. But now we have to, we have to say, okay. And, and a lot of this is actually birthed out of the Lord was talking to me about this. He's like, it's not like... That phrase that I got there wasn't just something I thought up. It was like the Lord put that on my heart. It's not always nice to be good, right? And you're talking about me, someone who learned at the age between 5 and 10 that it's, it's really nice. It's good. It's important to be nice. Like I'll be liked if I'm nice. I will be accepted if I'm nice. I will be valuable if I'm nice. Like so these, all, these, all these different ways of being that I learned to, to do because early on I learned it's good to be nice. It's important to be nice. People will like you if you're nice, all that kind of stuff. But, so when does nice become not good? And in the research, they talk about agreeableness. If, it's, um, if you're agreeable at one, at one level, that's good. But when you start pushing these things too far, and that's with a lot of the other temperaments, a lot of the other um, aspects of personality, when you start to push things too far, it becomes unhealthy, it becomes actually not good. And so where niceness becomes not good is when you become overly agreeable. Or some people say, oh, they're too nice. They're, they're too nice, right? So they're, uh, and those type, of, those type of people at that point can become, you're often manipulated or pushed around. So that's like, that's, a, that's nice, but not, it's not good. It's not good for you to let yourself be pushed around. Um, you know, you're a human being made in the image of God. It's not nice for yourself to be pushed around. And you can't, you can't actually lay your life down if you're being a doormat. So think about that for a second. 
because we're called to lay our lives down for our friends. I mean, literally, Jesus says, like, there's no greater love that a man has than to lay his life down for his friends. And yes, he was talking, he actually laid his life down. You know, but you could also think of the concept of laying your life down as like, my life is all the things that I want to do, all my hopes and my dreams, everything that is, that is mine that I do, that I interact with the world, that I interact with other people. That is my life, right? My job, the thing that I like about my job, the things that I interact with other, um, other human beings, that's my life. So I can lay my life down for the benefit of somebody else, and that might be good, but if I'm a doormat and people constantly just walk all over me, is that good, Mike? Does that sound good? It's not good, but it's nice. It's nice, you know. It's not good, but it's nice, you know, because nice people actually won't confront wickedness or destructive behaviors because it's not nice. It's just not nice, right? And nice people often have judgments on behaviors that they perceive as not nice. And when you have a judgment, and when I mean a judgment, I mean a critical value judgment. I'm not saying you're judging rightly, like you're discerning reality correctly. What I'm saying is you don't like that, and so you think it's wrong, and so you sit in the seat of God and you say that behavior is wrong. That's actually sin, by the way. Um, Just saying. (laughs) So nice people... Either they won't confront wickedness or evil, whether interpersonally in their lives or whether in greater society, or they'll wait too long to do so to the point where it's, it's like too late. Probably that relationship is not reconcilable anymore. And that's not completely true. You can lay your life down for your friend. You could decide that, you know, Jesus wants to reach this person and so, and I'm looking at, like, one of the ultimate people that, <laughs> looking at you, you're one of the ultimate people that lays your life down, you put yourself in hard situations to allow God to move through you, so you lay your life down, but you're not a doormat, because you know when to say no, you know when to stop it, you know when it's not being fruitful anymore, so Eileen, she's not just nice, she's good, She's very good in this one area. She could, she's a very, you're good in a lot of other areas too, I'm not saying you're not. But in this specific area at this specific time, you know, you are, you are good. You lay your life down for your friends. You lay your life, they're not just friends, but people that are hard, people that, 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 that Jesus wants to reach. And you are willing to lay, you're willing to be uncomfortable, right? You're willing to let those text messages come through. Uh, you're willing to uh, pick up, you're willing to go out of your way and pick people up and bring them to church, right? So that's not just nice, that's good. That's, that part is nice. The good, the good part comes is that you're able to address when someone's taking it too far and you're not a doormat, right? So you require, you require respect, you, but, you're, but you have the ability to actually do what Christ says and lay your life down for your friend, right? So I'm glad you were sitting right there because that really, that resonates with me. 
right? Because nice is not always good. And this is where nice becomes not good. So, nice people often won't confront wickedness or destructive behaviors interpersonally. Um, they won't do it in society. Um, and they often judge themselves or others, and this actually makes them stay stuck being nice because it's, it's, it's not okay for me to do a behavior that I've judged as bad, right? So you're actually stuck under your own judgment. And um, you can get free of that. I know it's not, it's not that hard to get free of that. It just requires repentance and breaking vows and, and breaking judgments and then rec- you know, receiving the truth. And, um, you know, so hopefully in this thought process, because I'm invi- again, this is, this is my thought process that I'm inviting you into. I'm probably not going to give you that many tools this time. I love to give, you, I love to give tools. I love to, um, to give real practical things. But you're going to have questions. And I'm going to give you questions to ask the Lord because you need to interact on this. Because there's a place where God doesn't want just a nice Christian church. He wants a good Christian church, you know. And so, like I said, if you're nice, you might not be confronting wickedness like you should be. Because it's not nice to confront wickedness. It's not nice to step out of line in certain ways. So niceness is agreeableness. Agreeableness is compassion and um, politeness. There's a place where goodness and niceness overlap to each, with each other. And what I'm trying to do is to work out with you and with the Lord, where does my need to be nice become not good anymore, Right? And so that's, the, that's, that's where we're at at this point. And so people that are overly agreeable or too nice, they often actually become too concerned with other people's well-being. And I'm not going to pick anybody out, but you, you know the kind of thing like you, it's not just you go, you go to somebody's house and they ask you like 25 times, you know, can I get you anything? Are you okay? Like, you know, to the point where you're like, no, I'm fine. Let's just sit, sit down and talk with me. Let's... Let's connect. Let's, you know, I'm not concerned about that. Um, so there, so the, and, and on the extreme, you can actually learn, you, would take, you can take responsibility for other people's emotions. So this is like niceness that becomes out of whack, comes into this place where it's not good anymore. It's not good for you. And then specifically, here's another one that's not good for, it's not good just for, not just good for, not not good for you, but it's also bad for other people because actually you can be you can become what's called an enabler and I think how that happens I think how you become an enabler and how that kind of thing happens is because you value being liked in the short term so you value it so highly that you don't look at the long-term effects of what you're doing you don't look at the long-term effects you don't take that into account you just want immediate peace. You just want immediate, um, this person likes me now, right? And so you see that a lot in, with addicts. You see that a lot with, with people, with families that have, um, people in their families that are suffering from addiction. And, um, and that's hard. And the reality is, like, 
I think that's where being nice becomes not good. It's not good to enable other people's bad behaviors. It's good to lay your life down for your friend if you can do that. So like if, if, you, if, the, if the Lord is, is calling you to, for a season, to lay your life down in such a way that it will actually enable this other person to come to him or enable this person to seek help and get healed from addiction. But other than that, you, know, you have families for years and years and years that there's, there's an addict in their family and no one really ever does anything and they just keep giving them money. Like, just keep giving them, you know, and, and that's hard because actually, like, you really have to think about that. Because I don't think it's an external, I don't think it's an external, like, thing. It has to be a dynamic relationship with the Lord. Lord, is, is this good? Is this your good? Is this your good that I'm doing? Like, I want to be good. I don't want to just be nice. And that's hard because it actually feels mean. To me, it feels mean. It's like, if, if, like, come on, you know, how many times is there like a, there's a person that's like, hey, can you give me a, can you give me a couple of dollars, right? They're just, you know, standing outside of a Wawa or 7-Eleven or something like that. And you're like, I think because we don't have settled in us what's nice and good, we're not, we're either, we're either too quick to give that or we're, we just ignore it. We just ignore them. I mean, Susie would be a good person to talk to about this because she's she constantly gives of herself and she has a heart for for people that are without homes and and things like that. But um, but again, why am I talking to you like this? I'm talking to you like this because I'm actually sitting here thinking in front of you. I don't have the answers. <laughs> It's a really hard message in some ways because I don't, I really don't, I don't have the answers. I'm just thinking with you. I'm just thinking through with you. And this is a lot of what I've come to is sometimes it's okay to be not nice. And sometimes when you're not being nice, you're actually being good. Yeah? That's so weird, isn't it, though? Especially coming from me, I had it like, I want to be nice. I was talking to Jess about the sermon to, uh, the other day, and she was like, can you please, why don't you just call it No More Mr. Nice Guy? <laughs> I actually think that that's prophetically what's happening in my life, is I'm going from overvaluing nice and the traits of niceness to like a more mature version of niceness, which I would say is goodness. So if niceness is an immature version, what if niceness is an immature version of goodness? Right, because it's got, there's aspects of niceness that fit inside of goodness, which I will jump to momentarily so you can guys can see what I'm talking about. But um, yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of an interesting thing, and it's a hard thing. So I'm, being, I'm actually being vulnerable before you because I'm like, I really want to be nice. I really want to be liked. I really want everybody to like me. I want to act in such a way that there is nobody that won't like me. And that's just not going to happen, especially if you start acting good. Because inevitably, God, you know, inevitably God's going to call you to do something that makes somebody else uncomfortable, that makes somebody else not be able to be enabled anymore, that makes, um, 
you know, all these different things that don't feel nice. And so you got to get delivered to be a nice. You got to get delivered to be a nice. God doesn't want a church that's just nice. He wants a church that's good. And you're the church. We're the church. We're the ecclesia. We're the body of Christ, right? And so, again, these are just my thoughts. You know, I could sit here and pretend to have the answers, and you guys would probably feel even more comfortable. You'd be like, yeah, I can follow that. But I'm not going to do that because you need to be leaders yourself. You need to lead yourself by following the Holy Spirit. You need to get with the Lord and say, like, Lord, where am I nice? And it's not good because I want to be good. All right, so we're going we're gonna to jump into our faith side of goodness. So the last definition I gave you of goodness had more to do with sort of a secular idea. So if you look at goodness, all right, so just as an aside note, you guys would be so proud of me. I pulled out my Bible doctrine book from when I was in Bible college, and I spent hours doing something that I really don't prefer to do because I don't, I'm not like, I'm not like, a, I'm not like a theologian like Dave's a theologian, not like that. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not to self-deprecate myself, I just, I don't, I don't prefer that kind of thing, but I really want to know what good is. It's a deep question. What is good? What is goodness, right? And there's a lot of people that have thought this through, um, but I specifically chose this one uh, book that I have that's called Bible Doctrine. It's by, uh, a college professor named Wayne Grudem. <clears throat> so, if we're looking at the moral attributes of God here, goodness, right? So the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good, okay? Everybody say that. The goodness of God means, or two people say it, it's okay, I don't, I don't care. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good, and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. God is the final standard of good. From a Christian perspective, he is penultimate good. He, self, he approves of himself, but he is, so, so God is perfectly good in everything, in all of his attributes, even in some attributes that are going to freak you out a little bit. On the bottom of that little triangle is the wrath of God. He's perfect in his wrath. That's a hard one. That doesn't seem very nice. I, I didn't get there, but you're right. Do a, do a word search in the Bible for nice and see what comes up. <laughs> There's not really, I mean, Dave might know like a Hebrew word for nice, but I just don't, it's not in there. God is not characterized as nice. He's characterized as good. And actually, all of his attributes are good. All of his moral attributes are good. So the meaning of good is that which God approves. The meaning of good is that which God approves. Because there is no higher standard of goodness than God's own character and his approval of whatever is consistent with his character. I'm going to have to stop there for a second and share a story, because as I was thinking about this, yeah, right, approval, right? <laughs> 
So whatever God approves of that's consistent with his character is good. Does God approve of you? Yes. I was walking, I was walking in, uh, as I was thinking about this message, and I came to that place there, and literally I, beca- I just came overwhelmed with the goodness of God because he said, right, not just in his word, but he said to me, you're consistent with my character, therefore I approve of you. Boy, let that sink in. That's, that, that's, that'll change the way that you're being good. I honestly, like, it's been a while, but I, like, really teared up. I was, I was walking, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. He approves of me. He approves of me. He, he, I'm consistent with his character, not just because I read it in the Bible, but because he literally said it to me. The Holy Spirit said, you are approved of. So I just wanted to stop and say that. So, so the, the meaning of good is that which God approves because there's no higher standard of goodness than God's own character. So anything that is consistent with the character of God is good. God's the definition and the source of all good. God himself is the ultimate good that we seek. So from a Christian perspective, when we're talking about goodness, it is synonymous with God's character traits. It is synonymous with God's character traits. So let's jump into this crazy thing. I made the worst graphic design choice that I've ever made in my life, and I filled that screen all the way up with everything. If you want to take your cameras out and take a picture of it, that might be a good way for you to, to actually see it. But... I told you, I'm jumping in. We're, these, are God, these are some of the attributes of God, not all of the attributes of God. These are the, what's called the moral attributes of God. <clears throat> and at the very top here, I have goodness, um, which we just went over pretty, pretty intensely. But basically, goodness is God is the final standard of good. No one, and then the scripture, a scripture verse that, that is, you know, agrees with that is, no one is good except for God alone in Luke 18, 19. That's actually Jesus saying that to somebody who is calling Jesus good. And he said, there's no one good but God alone. And then as we move on here, so there's some debate whether mercy and grace are attributes in and of themselves. And there's a lot of room for um, discussion on this kind of stuff. But essentially, the author that I was reading made the uh, pro- essentially proposed that actually mercy is God's goodness towards those who are in misery and distress. And grace is God's goodness to those um, who, do, who deserve punishment. And so when God proclaimed his name to Moses, so this is when, you know, he, Moses puts himself up, up in the cleft of the rock and the Lord's presence is passing by. And uh, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So just right off the bat there, he's slow to anger, but he does get angry. So if God is good, if he's the penultimate good, his character traits are, are like he is bar none. He's the standard by which all goodness is measured. 
I think I think that's where you start to get into like niceness. If you're being a nice person, can can you be can you be angry? Or allowed you to express anger? Are you allowed to So this is kind of where it gets into that area where like nice is not always good because good can be angry and can be angry perfectly. At least God, you know, God can. We're, and we're trying we're, our aim is to imitate God in his attributes. So we imitate God's, we imitate goodness, mercy, and grace by that which God approves of. But don't just make this, I know what good is. Don't just make this, I understand goodness. Make this, Lord, am I acting good in this situation? Like, in all things, come back to the Holy Spirit on it. In all things, you know, read the scripture, but also you have a dynamic relationship with the Lord who speaks today still to you. He still speaks to you, and you can, and you can hear. So moving on to another attribute of God is love. So God, God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. And, you know, John 4, 8, God is love. And so we imitate love first by loving God in return for his love, and second by loving others in, uh, in, the, in the same way that he already loves those other people. So that's kind of interesting to me that, he's, that this author put it this way, because I usually think, well, I should love other people the way that I love myself, which is scriptural. But this author is, author is saying, better to ask God how ask God how he loves that person and then make your behavior consistent with that love of that person right because our world has a weak conception of love what 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 our world characterizes as love is is typically lust and selfishness and self-desire and 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 pleasure and it's like I'm going to get into uh, a relationship with another human being not so that I can give of myself I'm going to get into that so that I get what I need. But scripture, or scripture is indicating here to us that God's love is selfless love. He, he gives of himself. That's the type of love. And so that's the kind of love that we want to model to other people. And again, going all the way back to, to Eileen, she loves, she's loving other people by laying her life down for them, but she's also not a doormat, right? And so... These are all just different things to think about. Again, I, don't have, I do not have the answer on that. I have more questions than answers, but I know this. God is calling us to move from being a nice Christian church to a good Christian church. And so hopefully by me saying nice and good and nice and good and nice and good, all of a sudden you don't know what that means anymore, and God can now inject into your mind and your spirit what it is that he's looking for. So... Um, yeah. Um, so holiness, all right? Holiness is God's holiness means that he is separated from sin and devoted to seeking his honor. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is full of his glory, Isaiah. Hopefully that's 6-3. Might have lost a number there. Um, and so again, how do we imitate 
the holiness of God. Uh, by con- I would say it's by consciously separating ourselves from evil and sin while actively devoting ourselves to God and his ways, right? Um, and again, that's not a full answer. That's the beginning of a question, really. Lord, how do you want me to show your goodness through being holy and set apart? Um, and scripture affirms it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy, which is 1 Peter 1.16. And then righteousness or justice, something that was interesting as I was reading this, there is apparently one word that gets translated as righteousness or justice in scripture. And so in English, we use righteousness and justice, but there's actually one word behind that that is being translated. And so God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. It's kind of similar it's kind of similar to good. So God's, I might be jumping too far, but God's goodness and his righteousness, basically since he's the standard of it, there is nothing else to measure it by. So righteousness is righteous because God is righteous and what he says is righteous is righteous. So what he says in his word, that is righteous. And additionally, what word, what, what rhema words come to you that affirm other the character like the word the living active word of god spoken to you also um that's consistent with righteousness is also righteous um yeah so wrath this is the hard one and this is the one i really wanted to get to i like i actually left some of the other attributes out but i think this is i think this is one I think righteousness and wrath are ones where niceness becomes not good anymore. Like, it becomes difficult, right? Because partially in order to be... In order to... In order to see, like, wrath is such a hard one. Like, it's such a hard one. It's such a... It's such a... Oh, we, yeah, that's, that's not nice. It's not nice that God, that God has wrath, right? I think that's honestly where you come up against it in the Western church, right? It's like we have a weak, we have a, we're like, we're okay that God is love, we're okay that God is good, but we're not okay that he has wrath. I think part of that becomes because we're afraid he's going to pour out his wrath on us. But we're his children. Scripture says that, he, that he, there is no wrath for us, his children. And what I mean by that is you're bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, You've received him as your savior. You've made him Lord. You're part of his family. We don't have to fear God's wrath. We're not children of wrath. We're his children. We're the children of light, right? So hopefully that comforts you. It comforts me a little bit because it's hard to think like, how many times in, in the Older Testament did God be like, you got to go destroy those, that, that, that unrighteous civilization or that, those, those unrighteous people? And that's really hard for us to wrap our heads around. So it's not nice, but in some way it's good. In some way God's wrath is good. And so I'm starting to get to the end of my, starting to get to the end of like, I thought through a lot of this different stuff. And so what you're seeing me is you're watching me like kind of in some way struggle through, but I'm not struggling through. I'm thinking with you guys. I'm thinking in front of you guys. And hopefully this is 
this is making a little bit of sense. And, and hopefully it will provoke you to do the same because ultimately I really, really, really believe that God is, wants to upgrade most of us from just being nice to actually being good. And I think part of that is, um, part of that is because actually is Dana or, is Dana here? Or Maggie, thanks Maggie. Um, so going, going way back, just to make sure we're following our thought process pretty good. Niceness is not always goodness. And you could characterize niceness as agreeableness. And agreeableness could be characterized by two other traits, compassion and um, politeness. But at some point, when you push niceness too far, it becomes not good anymore. You get a lot of unhealthy behaviors. You enable people around you to mis not just mistreat you, but mistreat themselves. Um, Really, it's not always good to be nice. And I don't think God's calling you to just be nice. I think God's calling you to be good. And I hope that you forgot the whole definition of what your conception is of good and what your this understanding of what nice is. Because I want God to have the opportunity <laughs> to inject his definition of that, right? And so I've given you from a basic Christian perspective the, the the moral attributes of God are all good. And what is good is what God approves of. And God is the penultimate definition of good. He's the standard by which goodness is measured by. So there's no other standard of good, so we have to get rid of what you grew up thinking was good, what the, what the, uh, what school taught you was good, your learned experiences of what good is or nice is, and, and understand that God wants a dangerous church. Are you praying dangerous prayers? You're not going to pray dangerous prayers if you're too nice. You're going to pray nice prayers. You're going to pray sweet prayers. But you're not dangerous to the enemy when you're praying stuff like that. No. And it doesn't feel nice to stand against wickedness. It doesn't feel nice to yell when you need to yell. But it feels good. And it can. And maybe there's a place where it's a righteous goodness that you're feeling. Right? Because if you've judged these ways of being as not nice, and I need to be nice, to be accepted, to be loved, God just said that whatever's consistent with his character is good. I don't know about you, but I want to upgrade. 
I want to upgrade. The Lord's upgrading me. I think the Lord's upgrading us. But it's going to take breaking off judgments of what you perceive to be nice or acceptable behavior. Because the church has been asleep really long. The church has been nice for too long. You know, and I, and I want to be careful, but I want to be good. So there's traits of niceness in goodness, but goodness is not niceness. Goodness is broader than niceness. Goodness has a wide range of acceptable thoughts and behaviors. I would say that in some sense, niceness is a form of goodness not yet fully matured, especially from a Christian perspective. From a Christian maturation perspective, niceness is a form of goodness that's not fully matured yet. Where niceness may compel you to shrink back from evil Right? We just had Halloween to hide from Halloween. Goodness says, hey, this is Reformation Day. This is the day that the 95 Theses were pinned to the, pinned to the door of the Catholic Church, and we said, hey, something's got to change. And it's not nice to step on other people's toes because, hey, we have a real thing. We love our holidays in America. So it was good that Dave did that. It was good that Dave was willing to step on other people's toes and say, hey, what does God think about these things? And he did it nicely, too. I mean, he definitely did it nicely. No doubt about it. We're called to confront evil and wickedness, and we're not doing it because we're too nice. And there's a way to do it that's good, that's still loving, that's consistent with the characters, the characteristics of God's attributes. We've been asleep. Wickedness has grown. And God's like, hey, take your place. Take your place. Goodness is that which God approves of that's consistent with his own attributes and character. As I believe God's calling many of us to graduate from niceness to goodness. Why? Because compliant Christians can't very be very effective against pushing evil and wicked agenda back. So, thank you. I'm taking it in the new definition. <laughs> was meant to be good. Polite Christians aren't really intimidating to the devil and his demons. You ain't doing anything. Nice Christians only pray nice prayers. But what if God wants you to pray 
in a way that's dangerous and destructive to the kingdom of darkness. What if God wants to give you permission to be more than a nice Christian? More questions than answers, right, guys? So let me begin to close with this. Here's some questions for you to ponder with the Lord. God, what areas of my life are you calling me into goodness? When does niceness cease to be good? What are the good what are good traits of niceness? What are not good traits of niceness? What are the dangers of being too nice? And how do I move from being nice to being good? I don't have any answers to those. So if you think of things, come and tell me. But let me just let me just pray for you, and then I'm going to call Dave up, and he can correct where I did went wrong. Um, Uh, Father I thank you that you're in our thought processes I thank you that when we're thinking with you we're thinking righteously we're thinking consistent with your character traits that it's good that when we are thinking with you and pondering something as 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 different as like what it means to go from nice to good um, I thank you that you're in it So, Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that whichever piece of the word that you were sharing through me today, that it would just go right into the place in their heart and their mind where it needs to go in. I pray that anything that that was said that wasn't consistent with your your goodness, God, that it would just kind of fall away. Father, you know just where everyone's at. You know just what everyone um, needs to hear. You know where everyone needs to be transformed. And so I just ask that you would do that, Lord. Father, I thank you for, your, for, for my, my friends and my family. I thank you for their lives. And Father, I release your goodness over them. I release your attributes over them, that they would be imitators of you, God. That they would imitate you in the way that you are good, in the way that you have mercy, in the way that you... Um, have grace in the way that you're righteous. And yes, Lord, even in the way that you show wrath perfectly. Father, I thank you that we're children of the light and not children of wrath. And I just ask for a boldness to fall over my my friends and my family. I ask that they would go from being just nice Christians to dangerous Christians that they would pray dangerous prayers, that they would stand up to wickedness, and they would do it in a way that's perfectly good. So, Father, I just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you clap it up and support Josh on that one? See, that's... uh... Yeah, that's, a, that's a mature word, and that's a tough word to prepare. 
That's not milk. That's meat right there, you know. So that was, that's a tough one. Trust me, because I've been there in those type of topics. And as, as Josh was, was sharing, you know, the Lord was just giving me some points of remembrance, right? Who's the model of God's goodness on earth? Jesus. So we model our behavior how Jesus acted. I mean, he is the word that became flesh. He is the logos, the ideal good that came to earth, John 1 says. So when in doubt, we look to Jesus as the model. And I remember uh, I, I was reading a book on theology, and it was explaining some of the, the difficulties of, of Jesus' ministry in his life. Because at one point, he is tremendously, tremendously compassionate and nice. And on the other time, he's not. He's actually walking into the temple with a whip. He's turning over tables. Uh, he's calling people, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers. Right? And it's like, what's the deal, right? And so if you look in your scripture, he's nice to the people who are broken and are sinners. And he has compassion for those people. He's got compassion as well for the other side, but he's willing to crack the whip and get in the face and stand on what doesn't seem to be nice to a religious elite. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, Pharisees actually means in Hebrew, the righteous ones. Right? There's a group of people who are saying that they are the righteous ones and they call the shots. To them, he gets in their, their grill a little bit, actually quite a bit. Being nice is easy. That's why we do it. It's easy. But when are we to be good and nice? And when are we to be good when it just doesn't seem like it's going to be nice? How on earth do you do that? I think the Lord gives us an answer. James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I would just say this, Lord, when am I to be good where it doesn't quite seem to be nice? Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom to know. And I'm telling you, this is an important word because it's very easy to be nice when culture is adopting some type of biblical worldview. As the world moves away from that biblical worldview, we may in fact be finding ourselves being good, but not completely nice a little bit more than we used to be. Lord, give us the wisdom by the power of the Holy Spirit to pour out on us liberally and without reproach when to know when to do what. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? Father, we just we come before you and we just thank you for your word and we thank you for your presence. And we ask, Lord, and we welcome your presence to come, not just so that we can pray in tongues and not just so that we can prophesy and not only so that we can lay hands on the sick and see them healed, but, Lord, that we would get a wisdom from the throne room of God just like your son had on earth. Lord, we ask for it and we welcome it. In Jesus' name.
We're going to close out with, with worship. Feel free to, to leave as you'd like. We're going to have the altar team come on up. I know Susie's here. I'll be here to pray for you guys. Remember, we don't have technically a cafe, but feel free to have some fellowship time next door. We hope to see you next week. But feel free to just be in his presence. Be blessed.